Tight from New Jersey, it's the SNL Nerds, the show with two comics from New Jersey nerd out about Saturday Night Live. I'm your co-host, Darren Patterson. And I'm your co-host, John Trumbull. John Trumbull, how are you doing during these hazy, crazy, lazy days of summer? Good sir. Well, I'm doing all right. Uh, this, this week was an interesting week. We actually saw each other in person this week. Yes, we did. A bit unusual for us these days. I know, IRL, as the kids say. On yeah. the Twitter's gram. Yeah, we had a little uh, get-together for my birthday on Monday night, and that was fun. We went out yeah. You had so. like a nice little soiree. Had a good group of folks mm-hmm. here to wish you well into the five O's. It yeah. was pretty nice. You know, drinking outdoors, laughing, you know, guffawing, having the good old chuckle ups it, it was a nice little, uh, nice little uh, August night. Yeah, it was It was kind of cool. It's, it's always weird when you have, like, friends from... Your different your different circles of friends like meeting each other, but but it was cool too. Yeah, it's like the multiverses uh, colliding. It really is. It. Yeah, like uh, the Jetsons meet the Flintstones. I get it. Yes, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> you know, it's like that, or like when uh, Scooby Doo met the Harlem Globetrotters, or something like that. You're a or, Jetson. Yeah, <laughs> I'm a totes. I'm totes a Jetson. Mm-hmm. I'm, that's so Jetsons. That's me. Yeah, it's like the world's colliding. It's like when, um, you know, Harlem Globetrotters saw Gilligan's Island and stuff. You know, it's like yep. that. Martin Landau yeah. was in that, you know. He was? He was. He played Gilligan? Who did he play? I don't remember who the hell he played. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm sure it's you're on the, YouTube. Um, you're the one that brought up the facts. I just thought you were you were knowledgeable. I, I, wasn't ex- I was expecting you to just take that at face value and... Just be like, oh wow, he was in that, and I I wasn't expecting to be quizzed further on that. You, um, you didn't expect me to f- ask any follow up questions on that. No, I really uh, wasn't. I know, I know. At that point, Jim Backus was like too sick to appear, so I think he just had like a cameo, and then they, uh, they had like Mr. Hal's nephew in there or something. How did he get on the island? Well, no, by the by that point. What? Okay, this oh. I do remember. By that point, um, they had been rescued from the island, but they all decided to go back to the island and start a resort there. Why would, uh, why would you go back to the the prison of the island that you were on that like that you couldn't get off of for numerous? That seems. I I think it was like Sherwood Schwartz. He was trying to like redo it as like a love boat sort of thing, where like different people would come to the resort every week or every movie, and he'd he'd get milk some more out of the Gilligan Island thing that way. Oh, I see. So I'm not saying this was a good idea. I'm saying this was an idea. (laughs) Yeah, it's no Gilligan's Planet. I'll give you that. I mean, I, I don't think uh, Sherrod Schwartz had a great deal of artistic integrity, is what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like, I came up with this one good idea, and I will milk it until it is dry and done. Yeah, I mean, I know I know they did, in the first TV movie they did, they did get rescued from Gilligan's Island. I think it was called Rescue from Gilligan's Island. And then at the very end of that TV movie, uh, they they end up getting stranded on the same island again. Yes, that I do remember. And uh, yeah. I was like, oh, they're back on the island again. Oh, boy. And then they somehow got rescued again. I don't know if that was in another TV movie or between TV movies or what. 
but yeah, then they meet the Harlem Globetrotters. Got it. Okay. All right. And, well. and there were like robot Harlem Globetrotters. I remember that. Yes, I remember that. They were they were fighting yeah. like uh, they were fighting like sentient sentient robots at some point, right, or something. Because somebody was like, "I need to make an army of basketball playing robots to dominate the NBA." Right. And then the Harlem Globetrotters came in to rescue. It was like, not today, sir. And there was yeah. like a man versus machine type of thing. To yeah, see and I feel like... like Martin Landau was probably the bad guy in that. I'm, I'm going to look it up now. Um, oh, boy. Well, right off the rip, we're, getting, we're going down rabbit holes, people. Well, hey, you asked. <laughs> I didn't really. I just said, I just mentioned Harlem Globetrotters on some, on some whim, like a riff. And now here we are. I love it. Um... Okay, he does. He does have a listing on Gilligan.fandom.com, which is the Gilligan's Island wiki. Um, of course, there's a Gilligan's Island wiki. Let's see. Uh, he appeared in it with his wife. The final time they appeared together on screen, they divorced in 1993. Oh. Um, what did he play? Okay, this is a big summary of. Okay. Wow. I'm. Uh... I'm yeah, I, I think this seat. is just shit copied from his Wikipedia entry. There's not much okay. Gilligan's Island specific information on the Martin Landau page. So let me see. Somebody at the Gilligan's Island uh, wiki page is slacking. Need to get on that. Um, okay. Okay. Guest cast. He played J.J. Pearson. And, oh, and, so and Barbara Bain. Okay, yeah, because he was married to Barbara Bain. She was Dr. Olga Smetna. So, and Scatman Crothers was in it. Ooh! Scatman so, Crothers should have led with that. Yeah. All right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay, wow. And uh, thus ends our Gilligan's Island Harlem Globetrotter uh, uh, rant opening there, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Wow, we so. l- listeners, you know us. You know, just we, you know, we go down rabbit holes like right off the rip. So I mean, yeah. my, I, I mean, are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Uh, I mean, I, I figure it's about a fifty-fifty chance. You know, much yes. like people who who wrote who watched the Harlem Globetrotters on Gilligan's Island. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Apparently, the second TV movie was called The Castaways on Gilligan's Island. Oh, that was interesting. That, that was the follow-up to Rescue from Gilligan's Island. Oh, and wow. it was intended to be the potential pilot for a new series. The castaways. Of, okay, all right. Let's see what they did there. So, they, you you got to keep Gilligan's Island in there somewhere. Like, you know, Planet of the Apes type of thing. And then you just yeah, switch out the... Yeah. Hmm, all right. Hmm. All okay, right, well, yeah. That's... So that one, they're, they're rescued from the island. And then they convert it into a tropical resort. Okay, so uh, it's not a terrible idea, I guess. As long as isn't uh, it though? Uh maybe it is. It's, it kind of reminds. It's like uh, when they had like the, when the Golden Girls ended, and then they had Golden yeah. Palace, the the spinoff mm-hmm. where the girls just oh let's just open a bed and breakfast. And sure, with Don Cheadle. Yeah, yeah, with Don Don Cheadle and uh, Cheech Marin, and it, you know as the cook. Yeah, remember that, guys. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a show, that was there, that was a thing that existed. Indeed, and, uh, much much like yeah. this movie. 
much like the movie we are doing today. We are doing <laughs> sweet segue, <laughs> right? Thing that made made you think. Wait, hey, was that real? Uh, we're we're covering Man on the Moon, the uh, biopic about Andy Kaufman. Yeah, uh, Man on the Moon came out uh, Christmas time, December twenty second, nineteen ninety nine. You know, right in the middle of the Y two K. Uh, directed by uh, Milos Forman, the man who mm-hmm. brought us Am- Amadeus, One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, People vs. Larry Flint, uh, written by Scott Alexander and uh, Larry Karaszewski, who are yes. the duo that wrote Ed Wood, People vs. Larry Flint, Dolomite is my and oh, Dolomite is my name, which we've talked about on this podcast. Yes. Um, yeah, this film had a budget of uh, fifty-two between fifty-two and eighty-two mil. And uh, only grows forty seven mil. And like I remember when this movie came out, I'm pretty. This was like one of the films I actually like reviewed for my college newspaper, you know, back mm-hmm. in back in the day. And I remember there being a lot of buzz about this film. I remember a lot of yeah. people were like were saying like, "Oh, Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman. Oh, like he even kind of looks like him. He like he's perfect for the part." And no, I mean, he doesn't. He doesn't look like him. Oh, I mean, they, they, they made him look. As much right. like Andy Kaufman as they could, but no, he doesn't really look like Andy Kaufman. Right. I mean, that's what I meant. Like, like once you change his hair up and stuff, yeah. Like he and he had like the same mannerisms as him. Mm-hmm. And it was you know, this movie is by this director that made all these you know classic films. You know this this writing crew that had this writing duo that wrote all these classic films. This seemed like oh, this is going to, like, sweep at the Oscars. I remember that being the buzz at the time. We're like, oh, yeah, you know, Jim's going to get an Oscar nom for this. And it came out, and it um, just uh, wasn't quite there. It was just a... Yeah, I don't... It didn't... It's a good film. I, I don't know why it didn't do great business. Maybe people had just sort of lost interest in or forgotten about Andy Kaufman by that point. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think so. You do you think so? Because like I know, like Andy Kaufman, he has like a diehard, like fan base out there, and like even like the mythos, and the the mystique of Andy is, is still you know present to this day. Like whenever you see somebody, like uh you know like like when Tom Green came out, or or even now like when um like maybe Eric Andre or Sacha Baron Cohen, like people always kind of compare what they do to Andy Kaufman. They're like, oh, they're mm-hmm. very. Kaufman-esque in what they're doing so like even to to this day his presence still kind of looms pretty heavy in uh in comedy circles I'd say yeah I mean he's remembered but I just don't is that mainly by comedy buffs or I mean I I was meaning more the general public does the general public hear about Andy Kaufman I don't know Mm. uh yeah that's a good point maybe maybe not like yeah I always think of things in comedy nerd thought so I just I yeah. just assume everybody has my same comedy nerd brain, and uh, I always forget like oh yeah not everybody has seen Mr. Show or whatever. Yeah, although they yeah, should. That's, that's what I'm saying. Or or maybe it's just because it wasn't the Jim Carrey that they want. They want to see Jim Carrey be funny on his own. They don't necessarily want to see him in dramatic roles, or they want mm. or they don't want to see him playing another funny person. I don't know. Yeah, but see that's tr- that, that that's a good point. Like I do remember when. When cable, when the cable guy came out, people like I think people like it now. But I remember when it came out, people were like, "I don't get it. This is dark. He's he, yeah. he's not like people really didn't like it. There were even that that one pop song that kind of dissed him. Like you know, she loves me for me. 
And then, mm-hmm. like, I don't know why they didn't like. The, I thought the cable guy was great. I, I thought it was fantastic, but pe- people didn't attach to it for whatever reason. But I do think, like, around this time, as far as drama wise, people were starting to warm up to him being in drama because, like, he he had already done uh, the True Moon show before right. this, and he got a Golden Globe for it. So, like, I think people yeah. were like starting to become okay with him doing dramas. And and he got a Golden Globe for this uh, performance as well. Um, yes, yes. Not nominated for an Oscar, though, which is kind of unusual when you're when you're nominated for and win a Golden Globe. That's usually considered like a precursor to the Oscars. But... Yeah, it's weird. Like, apparently he's never been nominated for an Oscar. Like, I looked, at that, looked that up and I was hmm. like, oh, really? Nothing? That's, uh, that's interesting. Because, I don't know. I, I feel like he's done some stuff that's like at least worth a nomination, but not so much. Not yeah, so you'd much. think. Um, and hey, and you might be wondering, well, hey, outside of comedy, what what is the connection to SNL? Um, and Andy Kaufman's career did cross over with Saturday Night Live. He was actually on the very first episode of Saturday Night Live, and they recreate that appearance in this movie. Yeah, they go all the way with the recreation, so much as having Lorne Michaels in this scene where yeah and don pardo (laughs) and don don pardo yeah because don pardo was still uh with us when this movie was done in 1999 and yeah and so they they cover his appearances on snl and he was actually sort of famously or infamously voted off snl by the audience yeah that's something else they do too where they have uh lauren michaels uh you know doing the do you think, because like around this time, this was around the time where he was, you know, wrestling women and then, you know, getting into it, the beef he had with like Jerry the King Lawler, which you know, right. we'll talk about later. And just people just kind of thinking, oh, is he really going off the deep end? Is this because like that's another thing that throughout this movie, you know, as you start to sort of learn about Andy is he just really likes to blur the lines between like reality and pranks like you never know is he putting yeah. you on is this a, is this the real andy is this a gag is this like a gag within a gag is this a prank within a prank like you yeah. never know what's real and what's not and that's what he really he likes he really likes to mess with people's minds and you know poke and prod and really kind of like really kind of you know just just mess with your you just mess with your what you think you know comedy should be and what it, and just what is real and what's not like he he really liked to subvert expectations like that was yeah yeah i mean thing. he was he was kind of a pioneer in meta comedy or or anti comedy might be more accurate where he he really in many ways he made like the audience the punchline where it's like and th- there's one moment in, in the movie that's very telling where uh, Danny DeVito playing uh, Kaufman's manager, George Shapiro, he says to Andy Kaufman and his co-writer and best friend, uh, Bob Zamuda, he's like, you, you've made, <laughs> you've made a joke that is only funny to you too. It's not <laughs> funny to the audience. It's funny to you too. And, and they're both like, yeah, isn't it great? <laughs> and, and I think that that sums up their approach to comedy very very well i it's kind of cool that those two guys found each other because they were they were so of of like mind yeah like i mean that's one of the things i mean i like this movie but i do feel like it it glossed over a lot of things uh like Uh one of which being like how did he and bob zamuda meet they don't ever address that in the movie they just like uh, it's just 
I mean, I guess that's one of the things in this movie. I was like, oh, I wish I had seen that because yeah, like this yeah. movie kind of starts. Well, I mean, it had a really interesting start, which I really liked where mm-hmm. it has like the black and white footage of uh, Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman talking to the audience in a his foreign man accent, like a Gravis accent saying, you know, hello, thank you for my name is, you know, Andy. Thank you for watching this movie. Uh, just I'll admit, like right off the top, it's not a very good movie. It kind of stinks. So, like, I cut all. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of lies in it, so I cut out all the fat, all all the baloney, and I cut out so much of the the lies in this film that this is actually the end of the film. This is it, and right. then and like, then they start running the credits. Yeah, uh, the actual credits. Yeah, and it, like him playing the record. It's like, no, I'm not joking. That it's over, and like I thought yeah. that was a really interesting way to start the movie. I, I think that's, yeah, it was a very clever way to start the movie because it, it gets you questioning, like, right from the rip, um, what's real, what's what's a put on, and it's it's a cool, atypical opening for a movie about a, a very atypical comedian, <laughs> um, and then after, he, he, like, leaves the screen, and we're just left with several seconds of a black screen, and then... Kaufman comes back on and he's he's like, well, hey, are, are all the I just wanted to get rid of all the people who just didn't get me and and, and uh, yeah, yeah, and then uh, but see that's the thing though, like it has that really interesting opening, but then the rest of the movie is kind of a paint by numbers biopic. I was like, oh, I wish they kind of mess with the formula there too, as far as biopics go. Uh, I don't the, know if it was. Or maybe not necessarily paint by numbers, but yeah, it it does fall into more typical biopic rhythms, and and I think that's almost unavoidable, you know. Um, Yeah, I suppose because I mean, lives aren't really meant to be fit into a three act structure. So, and and they do things in this movie to kind of give his life more of an arc. Like, I mean, a big thing they do is they they move his Carnegie Hall concert like five years into the future from where it occurred in life he he played Carnegie Hall in 1979 and in the movie they have it happening near the end of his life in like 1983 yeah uh, yeah and and that's the sort of thing that you do in a biopic because you you need something to give it that big ending um that's true yeah, like they definitely kind of messed around with a few things just for mm-hmm. to make the movie a little bit more interesting. But yeah, like I kind of, I mean, back to my point about Bob Zemuda, like I kind of wished I saw like how they met, how did they find each mm-hmm. other, how did they realize they had the same comedic sensibilities? Because like I said, like the movie starts after that in, that intro, the movie then goes to like Andy as a kid doing shows in his in his own bedroom to himself, you know, playing with puppets. And then it just cuts to him in his twenties, doing doing stand up comedy, in a bar to like disinterested, uh, you know, barflies. I was like, yeah. well, where's that all that his teenage years and all that stuff in in, the, in like leading up to him in his twenties and him figuring out what's his type of comedy? I would have liked to have known that. Right? Yeah, um, actually, you know, in real life, Bob Zemuda, around the time of this movie, he wrote a book, a, bi- a biography of Andy Kaufman uh, called Andy Kaufman Revealed, Best Friend Tells All. And he goes into his first meeting about uh, with, with Kaufman there. So I, I definitely recommend uh, reading that. Um, 
And yeah, they met at a comedy club and he, I know Zamuda said he saw him as like perform in as his foreign man character, which later evolved into Latka on taxi. And he, he tricked Zamuda into like helping him load up all his equipment into his car. Um, I I think he was saying like he had a bad back or something like that. So Zamuda loaded it all into his car. And then at the last second, Kaufman dropped character and just went sucker and drove off. And that was like their first meeting. I remember that story. See, that could have been, why wasn't that in the movie? That's pretty cool or interesting. Like, I don't know. There's like a, I feel like there was more that they kind of left out of the movie that like, like stuff like that. I think think maybe because, you know, Zamuda was always in on the joke and the movie's kind of told from the point of view of people who aren't necessarily in on the joke. So if we told it, Mm. From Zamuda's point of view, I feel like it would have been a different kind of movie. Because hmm. I don't I don't feel like he ever pulled the wool over Bob Zamuda's eyes. At least that's not the impression that I get. But yeah. Bob Zamuda is not necessarily the most reliable source either. Because Zamuda likes perpetuating the myths about Andy Kaufman. Yeah, so... no, he does. He does. That's true. Like, yeah, the whole thing is kind of told from the, I guess, perspective of uh, George Shapiro. Uh, played yeah, by kinda, uh, Danny DeVito. And, and, it's, and it's so interesting that Danny DeVito plays George Shapiro. And Danny DeVito was also a producer on this movie. And Danny DeVito was, of course, one of Annie Kaufman's co-stars on Taxi. So, Yeah, a lot of meta levels to this whole thing. Yeah. Like, I, I actually really like the scenes where... But, all right, so after he does his... Um, it, it, they do kind of jump a little bit. Because, like, after he does yeah. his performance to Uninterested you know, bar customers, then the uh, the owner of the bar says, yeah, I got to let you go, Andy. People don't get your act. Oh, and actually that person, the bar owner, that's the real George Shapiro. Yeah. Who was in it. And then um, then Andy just goes into, uh, he does his act at another place, the improv, and and uh, George that George Shapiro, played by Dan DeVito, happens to be in the audience, and he sees mm-hmm. Andy do his, um, his Elvis act, his very famous Elvis act, where... Right, he, he comes right. on stage as the foreign man, and then he kind of goes into he, he this... does some bad impressions, and then yes, he lulls that audience into that false sense of security, and then he does like he says, "I'm going to do my Elvis Presley," and then he does a spectacular Elvis Presley, right? And and Andy Kaufman did do a genuinely good Elvis Presley impression. He did it on the Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, even look that up and, and see. And even Elvis Presley said, like, oh, yeah, that's the best impression of me by far. Yeah, that's pretty good there, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> I like the cut of your jib, mister. <laughs> uh-huh. I'm trying to think of lines that Jack White said in Dewey Cox now, but I can't think of any. <laughs> <laughs> There's only two people who know karate. That's that's Chinese people and the king. <laughs> Hoo-ha, watch out. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> God, now I just want to watch Walk Hard again. <laughs> it's a fancy, yeah, it's a, oh, that, that movie's so good. But, I mean, yeah, Shapiro comes backstage and he realizes, he gives uh, Kaufman his card. And he thinks he's, like, generally from, uh, what country was it from? Caspiar. Yeah, well, not not the fake country, the, the real country. Oh, like Lithuania Lithu- or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then... And then when Kaufman sees the card and realizes that Shapiro's for real, he like drops the character and he's like, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, uh, yeah, then after that, the very next scene, almost like uh, they, he has a, he gets a gig on SNL. 
Yeah. Uh, introduced well, by. I mean, that's that's always what they do in the biopics is because, you know, you want to get to the part where they're known and successful. So it's it always makes it feel like they become successful in like a five minute period instead of over the course of several years of struggle. That's so, true. I mean, well, you know, and, and they they parody that in Walk Hard, too. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> Dewey Knox sings like one song and then he's he's the biggest thing ever. I mean, that's that's just what biopics do. Wow, this podcast is turning into a Dewey Cox podcast very quickly. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... Stay out of here. and You don't want no part of this shit. Yeah. I mean, and and Andy gets an offer to be on Taxi, where they basically want to co-opt his foreign man character and turn him into Latka, a mechanic on the show. And and Andy doesn't want any part of that shit. He makes, <laughs> he makes demands. He's like, well, I don't want to be on every episode. Um, I, I'm only going to work two days instead of the five days the rest of the cast rehearses and he, he was apparently he was able to do that because andy kaufman had like a photographic memory so he he could just like read the script and then know it he didn't really have to Ooh. rehearse he'd have a stand-in for rehearsals on taxi <laughs> yeah. and then he would just come in on show days yeah because so. uh, i mean because andy like really detested like sitcoms and tv shows because he thought it was like all so fake which it is like it's just canned yeah. laughter you stand here you say these lines somebody else wrote you say your catch phrase you know laugh track laugh track and like right. there's no spontaneity to it there's no anything there's nothing unexpected to it, and that's all which i mean it's i, I get it that's true but like yeah yeah it's and it's it's also so interesting that in this movie they have the real cast of taxi come on and play themselves making the show <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. We've, we've got the real Judd Hirsch. We've got the real Mary Lou Henner, uh, Jeff Conway, Christopher Lloyd, um, Carol uh, Kane, uh, Carol Kane. Yeah, and they they all come back. Uh, Tony Danza apparently wasn't available because he was uh, on Broadway at the time. He was doing um, a View from the Bridge on Broadway, uh, and Danny DeVito. Well, of, of course, course. He, we don't want to have him <laughs> playing himself in addition to playing George Shapiro. So he just says. Yeah, just don't show me during that. So there's no Louis De Palma in the taxi recreations, oh. which is which is kind of interesting. But yeah, but it, it's it's so weird. We're seeing them recreate scenes from Taxi like 20 years later. It is. It's really like yeah. I mean, I was a huge fan of Taxi back in the day. I would always watch. It's a great the, show. Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know that theme song. My God, it's yeah. iconic. But jeez. Yeah. It's, Angela from Bob James. It's well, downloaded, guys. It's it's a banger. <laughs> like every time I drive across like the uh, Queensboro Bridge, I always have that song in my head. Sure. Uh, sure. But yeah, like it's it's it is weird to see like all the original people just dressed up, you know, how they used to back in the seventies and right. recreate all these scenes. It's like and it's and and they they age pretty gracefully, so they don't look too too different. Yeah, I mean, it's it's enough that you can they can get away with it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, Judd Hirsch hardly looked any different. Uh, Mary Lou Henner aged beautifully. Hey um, <laughs> you know, uh, Christopher Lloyd's Reverend Jim, he, he's always looked kind of weird anyway, so it doesn't really matter too much. I did like, they, they show the cast taking like a curtain call after the taping, and you see like Christopher Lloyd and Jeff Conway, they just both start frantically humping Mary Lou Henner. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm just like, 
Well, I wonder if they did that every week. And hey, I don't blame you if you have the chance to frantically hump Mary Lou Hemmer. Uh, Hemmer, you you, <laughs> you take it. <laughs> but, I, oh boy. <laughs> but yeah, I I thought that was that was very funny, and it was it was kind of cool that they came back to recreate their roles from back in the day. Um, right. Yeah, it is definitely it's definitely a throwback to see yeah. all, to see yeah. the old gang in their old gear. Yeah, and uh, Andy also he demands to to get his own special, uh, and where he he like meets Howdy Doody. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Because, like he was he was a huge fan of Howdy Doody apparently, and uh, and I think it took a, a few years for the network to actually air that special because it was just so out there. It was so weird. Yeah, like one of the things that uh, the, the networks really didn't like is like. Andy wanted the um, the people, the editors that, put, that were putting together a special to mess with the vertical hold. Yeah. So, like, you'd see, like, the, the picture kind of flicker up and down. And then he said, I want that because, like, then people at home will think there's something wrong with their TVs. And they'll get up and bang on the TV. And right. there's nothing wrong with their TVs. It's like me messing with the vertical hold. Isn't that funny? Yeah. I mean, and, and it kind of so is. Making the audience the butt of the joke. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah, he's he's just doing things to entertain himself rather than the audience. Um, yeah, that's a, that's actually something that uh, George Shapiro says in this films. Like, are you doing, like, are you like who are you trying to make laugh here? Are you trying to make yourself laugh, or are you trying to make the audience laugh? Yeah, and Which, I think nine times out of ten, yeah, it was it was himself. Yeah. <laughs> Very much so. Well, even even um, Andy Kaufman has said, like he he is not a he doesn't consider himself a comedian. Like I think he even says it. Right. He said it. He in says, a, "I'm a song and dance man." <laughs> right, like he said, uh, you know, in an interview, saying, "I'm not a comic. I have never told a joke." The com the comedian's right. promise is that he will go out there and make you laugh with him. My only promise is that I will try to entertain you as best I can. And uh, yeah. yeah, he's like, if you think about, it, like, yeah, he he never tells jokes. He's just kind of does his thing to like poke and prod and kind of subvert yeah. expectations. Well, I mean, he just loved dancing around in that area of where you go, wait, is this real? Is this is this a put-on? And I mean, with, with Kaufman, it almost always was a put-on of some kind, but he, he kept finding new and creative ways to do that. And and that's certainly not for everybody, but I mean, he was very, very good at it and very, very clever with it. And yeah. one thing I'd forgotten about this movie is it, it had a lot more of the wrestling period than I'd remember. Mm. I mean that that was a big thing that Kaufman did for a few years, where he was he he positioned himself as the intergender wrestling champion of the world, and he would challenge women to wrestle, and he would he would beat women because and and this was like half a sincere thing for him was that he was sincerely a huge fan of wrestling and he wanted to be like a wrestling heel. Yeah, yeah, like because they they also had that scene where Bob Zemuda took him to a uh, a brothel, and mm -hmm. he had you know he chose two women and like they just show him wrestling with the women in the uh, in the yeah. bed, and so like yeah he was always like just into wrestling like that, and like he just found something really interesting about the pageantry and the spectacle of it. Like that that was that I would say was Andy's big thing. He he was really into spectacle, if anything. Yeah. Yeah, like that was his his uh, his big uh, kick. Yeah, and, and he he recruits a couple of the sex workers from 
I think it's, I think it was supposed to be the bunny ranch, um, the, the brothel in uh, Nevada. Um, and he, he's like, Hey, would you like to uh, come with me and ruin a TV show? And he, he gets <laughs> these, these two ladies to come with him. Cause he, he got in the producers of taxi to agree to give his alter ego, um, Tony Clifton. Tony Clifton, who's the annoying lounge singer, um, to guest star on Taxi, and they they wrote a script for Taxi, and there was gonna it was gonna be Tony Clifton playing Louis De Palma's brother, um, and I think they did this episode with somebody else. I don't think they just ate the script, but he disrupted the show so much that he was escorted off the lot by security. He was fired and escorted off the lot by security. Right. And, so, you know, Kaufman got a kick out of that and the incident was yeah. reported in the paper. And again, mm-hmm. that's just him, you know, like a, a little boy being naughty, getting getting chuckles off of, uh, you know, just uh, messing with people. Right. Right. But I mean, I think the movie does exaggerate it uh, somewhat. I think some people have said like, oh, no, I mean, like Kaufman would tell you that he was that he was Tony Clifton. Right. I mean, right. And. So I think I think they're playing it up a little bit for the movie. Yeah. I mean, but it, that's the weird thing is it's tough to know what's real and what's not because the myth has gotten mixed in so much with the factual information. So, yeah, it's always weird. You never know who was in on the joke and who wasn't. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you want to hop ahead a little bit, like another yeah, another incident that sort of fills that um that mythos, that thing of who was in on a joke and who wasn't. Uh, the the huge incident on the, the show Fridays he was on. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was insane. Yeah, and Fridays, it's, it's a nearly forgotten show. I remember watching it a bit as a kid. I think it aired in primetime, because it must have, because I watched it as a kid. Um, but it was, it was a sketch comedy show, aired on Friday nights, I guess it was live. I don't remember that it was live, but maybe it was. I'm um, pretty sure it was. Like I know, um, yeah. And I know Michael Richards was on it of uh, Seinfeld fame, right? Uh, I right. believe Larry David was on it as well. Yeah, I think that was where Larry David met Michael Richards. Um, oh, nice. So, uh, but yeah, he uh, Coffin guest starred on the show. He was like the celebrity guest or the celebrity host of that week, and they did a sketch. And you can find the sketch on YouTube where he's he's part of uh, a couple couples on a double date. And the joke in the sketch is each one goes to the bathroom in turn and they they get high. They smoke a marijuana cigarette and they come back and they're all high. And it's so weird is because like they literally explain the premise of the sketch <laughs> before they start the sketch. And it's like, you couldn't figure out a way to get this information in the sketch itself. We have to just have an intro saying, like, here's what the joke is in this sketch. Yeah, like, once you get told the joke, then what's the point of the sketch? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But that's, the real sketch was like that. Um, and in their recreation of it, uh, they have Norm MacDonald playing Michael Richards, oddly enough. You know, tall, curly hair. That's good. Yeah, yeah, and it's uh, so we got more Norm Macdonald as ah. you know, circa nineteen eighty Michael Richards. Yeah, Michael Richards, eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and Caroline Ray from uh, uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. She's playing another one of the sketch performers in it. And 
Yeah, and and the joke in this was Kaufman breaks character and he says like I I don't want to play high. I don't want to like promote drug use. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and then like <clears throat> yeah, and he just totally he totally like it's like the worst improv partner ever. Like he just totally yeah. brings the entire sketch to a halt. Where he's, he's not yes ending. He's no budding. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then like apparently all the other actors are like, what are you doing, man? We're we're live here. And yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. no, I feel dumb doing this. This is a dumb sketch. And right. apparently, like, everybody was upset with him. And at this point, uh, Michael Richards, um, you know, Norm MacDonald, he gets up from the scene, uh, picks up the cue, takes the cue cards that the cue card guy is holding and just slams them down in front of, you know, Andy Kaufman. And that, that yeah. gets a huge yeah. laugh from the audience. Right. And, um, Michael yeah. Richards said since that he was in on the gag. He said like he, they let him in on the gag the day before, um, and, and and we see Kaufman get into a shoving match with the producer, who's played by the real life Bob Smuda, by the way. <laughs> Which I I think that was a nice touch. They worked up uh, clever cameos for Bob Smuda and uh, and the real uh, George Shapiro playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't get the joke, so I thought that was that was kind of a cool way to work them both in. Yeah, no, it was it was great. And yeah, and then the sketch, and I think Andy throws a drink in um in uh, Michael Richards' face, and then a whole big yeah. melee and fight ensues. The audience right. gasps in horror at all this, right? And it is a thing where you're thinking, well, is like who's in on it, and who's not? Is this whole thing fake or is it not? Right, right. And um, and then yeah. they they cut to commercial, and then the producer. Uh, or the network executive played by uh, the great uh, Vincent uh, Chavielli, who's in a lot of uh, Milo Schwarman's uh, films. He says like, ladies and gentlemen, you've just been part of a happening. Um, <laughs> it's just, oh, it's, it's so hilarious how he says that line. I, he is just one of the all time great uh, character actors. He's probably best known for being like the subway ghost and ghost. Yes, of course. Uh, but you know he he's popped up in a million things. He's in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He's in Batman Returns, uh, and he had just such a great face. He's just I love seeing him pop up in movies, man. Yeah, he has a very memorable look. You look at him, yeah. like, Oh, I I've, I remember him. Yeah, yeah, uh, just just a great face and a great actor, man. <laughs> and then he says like, Well, when we come back from the break, uh, Andy's going to explain that it was all a joke, and then Andy comes back and he's like no they forced me to do this i'm i'm but you know the truth is this happens on tv all the time and they just always cover it up um in real life apparently he came back the next week and he he was issuing an apology and they filmed it like a hostage video Um, so they're they're taking a little artistic license there okay but um yeah but i mean that's i mean that was andy he just really liked to mess with the audience and mess with expectations. Like another thing that I really liked um, that he did that I enjoyed from uh, this film is uh, they showed when he, you know, he was doing colleges and he was trying to like kind of distance himself from his Latka character on Taxi because he really didn't like doing it. He only did it. Right. So he right. Was special. So he's, there's this one show he's doing uh, a performance at uh, Arizona state at this college. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's wants to go into his act and the, audience full of college kids is like hey hey do uh do latka do uh say thank you very much do that there and like of course he's getting very annoyed by it you know he doesn't want to do the you know say these his catchphrase or any or whatever right right and then he he decides as punishment to read the great gatsby to them right 
and then that's it. He's he's literally just reading The Great Gatsby word right. for word uh, in a British accent. And, yeah. I, you know, of course, you can hear the audience not understanding it, like what is going on and this being impatient. And then like them, them just like turning on him and just screaming and booing. And then at one point he's like, well, look, if you do, do you want to hear this or not? Because if you don't want to hear this, I can play what's on this record. And the audience yeah. is like, yes, please play the record, whatever. And he yeah. plays the record, and it's a recording of him reading The Great Gatsby. And that's it's, pr- it's from the exact point that he stopped. Um, that's, is, pretty, that's pretty damn clever. That's, that's pretty genius, yeah. And he did that bit on either The Tonight Show or SNL, I forget which, but uh, you can find footage of him doing that. And, uh, I mean, that's pretty cool. I don't know if he ever did it as, like, punishment for unruly audiences, but... I think that might be like a movie convention, but I, I think that was just like one of his bits. <laughs> oh, okay. But either way, I'm like, all right, that's that's pretty damn clever. Yeah, and um, yeah, yeah, that's 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 pretty cool. They also, and it, it's funny seeing like the recreations of him on SNL. Like they they have they have Richard Belzer playing himself. Um, and I think Belzer was like maybe a warm up on SNL in the early days, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he was because I think they said when uh, yeah. Andy Kaufman did his Mighty Mouse act, actually, like right. George Carlin was hosting. Right. Car- yeah, because I mean, we covered the first epi- episode of SNL. I think it was on our hundredth episode. It sure and, was. Yeah, George George Carlin hosted uh, for real, but I guess they couldn't get George Carlin in 1999, so they got Richard Belzer, which. He was a friend of Andy Kaufman, so I'm sure he was happy to be in the movie. And it's always fun to see Richard Belzer, however briefly. The Bells! On our first show. And yeah, he recreates the Mighty Mouse bit, the very famous Mighty Mouse bit, where he's singing along to the record. And still funny. (laughs) Yeah, it still holds up. And it's, it's funny to see Lorne Michaels kind of made up to look like how he looked in the seventies. Like he's, his hair is darkened and he's, he's dressing like he is. And like when David Letterman pops up later in the film, David Letterman is just David Letterman. He doesn't make <laughs> any effort to try and look like how he looked like in the early eighties. Yeah. I think, he's, yeah. I think, he's not wearing a wig. He's not even taking off his glasses. Yeah. Like I think they tried to do that, but he was just like, no, nah, I'm, I'm not doing that. Yeah. Yeah, like, which is kind of hilarious in its own way. Oh, God bless you, David Letterman. God bless and, you. And yeah, it's just so funny. I mean, we we see Lauren kind of going on, going along with the gag, and he's like playing himself, but he's playing himself as he looked in that era. And and Letterman, he's on this like extensive recreation of his his old late night set, and then. You know, the, the camera pans over to Paul Schaefer, and it's Paul Schaefer bald like he is yeah. in that time. Yeah, Paul and Schaefer. It's David Letterman looking how he looked in 1999. Yeah, they really didn't. Uh, I was like, all right, well, I'll just yeah, suspend disbelief yeah. here. Yeah, and and it's so funny. I mean, Dave is like literally recreating a segment of his show, but he kind of portrays himself as being much more in on the gag that I feel like he might have been in real life. Okay. You know, but... you, you see him cracking up a lot more, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. That's, that's yeah. Really true. It's uh, there there's actually a, a cool segment on YouTube where somebody went in and they found real footage of all the 
Andy Kaufman bits they recreated in the movie. And you can actually compare how different Letterman is acting in the recreation. And he's, you know, he's mugging a lot more. He, he was much more um, deadpan in, in the original clip. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I guess maybe they thought, he thought, oh, I should play it up a little bit more. This yeah, I, or maybe that's just how he was reacting in the moment. But yeah, he, he appears as much more in on the joke. In, in this one, and I don't know if that was the case in the in the real bit, but it but it's a very famous Letterman bit where Andy uh, Goffin goes on with Jerry Lawler, and they they're playing up their whole feud, and Kaufman like throws water on Lawler, and Lawler like slaps Kaufman out of his chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a big thing because yeah, I mean before this like. Uh... Because, like, at this point, like, uh, Andy was, like, just wrestling women. Yeah. And, uh, of course, there's a scene where uh, Andy meets his girlfriend, uh, Lynn, played by Courtney right. Love, through uh, through women wrestling. Right. And, That's a total fabrication, by the way. He, he didn't meet her that way. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Wow. All right. See, what? I don't know. Let's keep, uh, keep, keep messing with me, man. This movie. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah. So, and, uh, and uh, yeah, through the lady wrestling, I think at one point, He's uh, he's wrestling in Memphis, and then Jerry Lawler calls him out off stage, right. saying, "You know, the, hey, this is a, he's a fake. He only he does he only wrestles women. That that woman he's wrestling now is his girlfriend Lynn, and blah blah blah." And you also see uh, right. Jim Ross, who's a uh, who's a wrestling announcer of from the WWE, who's been doing right. it for for decades. Right. And, yeah, and Jerry Lawler is playing himself. Yes, Jerry the King Lawler playing yeah. himself, and uh, yeah. So then the two of them wrestled there's a huge wrestling match and i think uh andy like gets a broken neck or something like, he gets like seriously injured and his neck's in a cast from right. it and then it's also the thing where like people don't know all right is, is this an act is this real like what's yeah. who's in on it who's not it's always and and i in real life i know he like he he wore the neck brace briefly, but he wore it for like weeks longer than he needed to just for the bit. Mm. <laughs> so he pretended that he was severely injured where he was maybe only mildly injured. I mean, because like, you know, Jerry, Jerry Lawler, professional wrestler, knows what he's doing and he knows how to do that sort of stuff safely. Right. Yeah. And, and yeah, the movie reveals that they were in on it the whole time. Uh, and that that was like really the first time that it was revealed for real. Um, and uh, and uh, Bob Zamuda wrote wrote about that in his in his book a bit. He was he he said like he he says, you know, although I made a pact with Andy never to reveal the truth behind that ill-fated evening and the events leading to it, I've decided to break that vow and come clean. The reason I am doing it only now is that Universal Studios, the entity behind the film Man on the Moon, has chosen to be truthful about Kaufman's antics and disclose in the movie what really happened. I feel it is my duty to take their lead and expand on their revelations accurately and in detail. So he he goes into the whole story behind it in the book. Um, yeah, okay. So wow. Yeah, I mean, and 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 yeah, they they have a scene right after the Letterman thing where George Shapiro is saying like, "Well, I think it's best if you got you were getting so much bad press about this. I think it's best if you two don't do anything together ever again. And you're supposed to think that it's Andy Kaufman and Bob's Muda being talked to, but it's, it's Andy Kaufman and, and Jerry Lawler. Who's, who's like, 
hey, I love doing this. This was yeah. like one of wrestling's shining moments as far as I'm concerned. He was in on the he was in on it the whole time. Yeah, yeah. And it's I mean it's it's interesting. It's uh Yeah, no, it's it's entertaining and I think that's always <clears throat> what Andy wanted to do. Like yeah, he always want he like I said he he want at the very least he wanted you to be entertained by the spectacle he was putting on, right? Like right, and know. and also in this era, uh, Andy Kaufman is voted off Saturday Night Live. Mm. Um, they actually Kaufman was getting such bad publicity over the the whole wrestling thing and stuff. They actually put it to an audience vote, and they had a bit on the show. In the movie, they presented as Lorne Michaels presenting the vote, but that's a fabrication because this was during the era when Lorne Michaels wasn't producing the show. He yeah. stepped away from the show for five years, and uh, SNL cast member at the time, Gary Kroger, uh, was introducing this. So it, it's so weird because like Lorne is like taking responsibility for something he he had nothing to do with <laughs> in the movie. So. Yeah. That's kind of funky. I don't know what I couldn't just gotten Gary Kroger to do that. Well, I think it's just because Lorne Michaels is so identified with SML. I mean, and and probably casual fans don't even realize that there was a time when he wasn't producing the show. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, even by 1999, Lorne kind of was identified with the show because he'd been with the show since the beginning. Yeah, no, and, that's very true. That's very true. And it, it had been by that point nearly fifteen years since he'd come back to the show, so it's it's kind of like he never left. So, yeah, that's very true. But, <laughs> it's it's so yeah, it is so weird that it's it's essentially Lorne Michaels playing a cast member on SNL. <laughs> Lorne Michaels, Molly <laughs> Shannon, Barry Kroger. <laughs> And they and they shot the SNL scenes at the real Studio 8H. And oh, that's they, cool. They made it look like it did back in the day. So, oh, that's pretty neat. But I I, I find that so fascinating that it's like Lorne Michaels is like it in a recreation of something he had nothing to do with. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was... that's Bonkers. that's so weird. Yeah, <laughs> very much so. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, wow, yeah, there's just so much to, uh, Andy, it's very interesting, and, um, yeah, yeah he, he really, I don't know, he really kind of messed with people's minds, like, and, uh, of course, towards the end of the film, we all know he, you know, he passed away from, uh, lung cancer, and, like, yeah. when, when we get up to that part with him and, uh, his girlfriend, Lynn, move in together, and he finds that lump on his neck, and, right. like, you know, he goes to a comedy club, to tell people, hey, I, uh, it turns out I have cancer. I got a lump. I'll, you know, if anybody, since I'm quasi famous still, if anybody in the audience wants to come on stage and touch it, you know, I'll charge you like a dollar. And somebody, right. I was like, oh, did that really happen? Oh, good Lord. That is. I think he did do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's gravy. And then even when he tells his, his closest friends, you know, George Tapero, Bob Zmuda, and Lynn that he has cancer, like they don't believe him. Yeah. <laughs> even at the, even and, like, and Zamuda is like, it. oh yeah, that's a great bit. Here's how we could do it. You could we could milk it and you could do go up and down with it and yeah. And he's and he's like, we could even fake your death. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, oh wow, that really. I mean, it says a lot that like he's like he's so well he's so known for just you know 
bullshitting people and trying to pull the wool over people's eyes that when he tells the truth, no one believes him. You know, it's the boy who cried wolf all over again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And like, there's even a, like a scene where like the National Enquirer had heard he has, you know, cancer and they don't believe him. Oh, and then also in that scene, you get a quick glimpse of a, of a Dave Keckner in there as one of the National Enquirer reporters too. Oh, you know, there, there's another sort of cameo. I, I don't know if it, maybe it doesn't qualify as a cameo because I don't know how famous he was in 1999, but Patton Oswalt pops up in the movie. Yes. And a big... Did you notice that? Like, cause like one of the odd things about Andy Kaufman is he, he worked as a bus boy a couple nights a week at a diner in Hollywood. And he was like, Oh, I'm j- I do this just to stay humble and, and just good on his work. And, it wasn't really a bit. He just like sincerely worked as a busboy. Yeah, you know, <laughs> need a second and, gig, second second income. Yeah, and and we've got Patton Oswalt in there as with like a wig and a, a fake mustache, and he's like, "Hey, are you Andy Kaufman?" <laughs> and and I don't I don't think it's really Patton Oswalt doing a cameo because I think at this time point in time Patton Oswalt was just like a struggling stand-up comedian taking acting work where he could yeah I mean I I imagine he had been on like uh, this King of Queens era I guess he would have been on or something I guess maybe King of Queens had started by 97 it started after Seinfeld because Jerry Stiller was on that show so probably whatever year after Seinfeld ended and I can't remember when that ended okay so all right, but yeah, yeah, but still, it's like, oh, Patton Oswalt, look at him. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's just so funny. You're just like, so, oh, sudden, unexpected Patton Oswalt. <laughs> <laughs> it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's always so weird when you see, like, somebody who becomes very famous later, and you see them as, like, a struggling young actor in something. It's just Yeah, it's, it's, like, so when, it's like when we saw Groundhog's Day and uh, Michael Shannon mm-hmm. was in it. At the, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. I was like, look at him. All right, Neil before Zod. <laughs> uh, but but yeah. So by this point in Kaufman's life, he's yeah, like you said, he's cried wolf. He's done. He's pulled the wool over people's eyes so many times that hardly anyone believes that he actually has cancer and that he is legit dying. Yeah, it's it's pretty sad. And also, um, yeah. At this part, he's, uh, I mean, he's doing, like, uh, chemo and whatnot, but he's also doing, because um, this is, like, another thing I kind of wish they went into more. Like, uh-huh. he was he's, he was really into, like, transcendental meditation yeah, and whatnot, yeah. and, like, he was doing that. He was, like, putting, like, you know, healing stones on his body and whatnot. Like, I kind of mm-hmm. wish, because, like, that, that's something not everybody gets into. So, like, I kind of wish they had in this movie, like, why, like, how he got into it, why it means so much to him. They didn't. Right. They didn't really kind of do that. I was like, oh, I wish I'd known more about this, or like, like this side of him. But I don't know. They kind of cut it out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I definitely recommend reading Zamuda's book. I think you get a better sense of Andy Kaufman the person um, from that, and and what he was about, and how much of him was real. Um, but yeah, apparently he was a very sincere follower of. Uh, uh, TM transcendental meditation and like towards the end of the movie he's he's asked to leave because he's kind of getting so much bad publicity yeah um and they, they gloss over some other things they gloss over some things in his career like 
he did he did a movie called Heartbeeps with Bernadette Peters. Not even mentioned in the movie. Uh, oh wow! It was such a bomb. Um, I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> do do a Google image search on that sometime. He's playing like a robot. They're both playing robots. It's it's a weird looking movie. I've never seen it, but oh, I think I. I think I heard of that. Wait, no, heartbeats. Yeah, they're both heartbeats. Ro- yeah, and they're both robots. Like fi- almost, they're robots who fall in love or something like that. Yeah, huh. I vaguely remember hearing something like, yeah, kind of sounds like AI yeah. that Spielberg movie. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, but you know, big old flop that one. <laughs> um, and they they have a scene towards the end of the movie where he goes to like a faith healer in the hopes that somehow he, his cancer get, get cured and he sees the guy like just palming chicken guts like moments before and he pretends like oh i'm pulling the cancer out of you ah yeah and and we see this look on Kaufman's face as he realizes he's he's kind of been had and the irony of it and then it cuts right from there to him in his coffin which ooh. it's it was yeah it was a it was a bit unnerving to say the least yeah I was like, ah, could we have not done that? Uh, yeah. But then, and then also you see, like, above his casket, like, this black and white film of <clears throat> Kaufman talking to the audience. Um, right. And I kind of, in a way, consoling them, saying, yeah, I'm, I'm gone, but, you know, it's still a beautiful, wonderful world out there, and right. know, I want you to put your arms around somebody, the person next to you, even if you know them or like them or not, and, you know, they, they had, like, a nice little sing-along, which is like, oh, that's a, that's a sweet way to, to do it. Mm-hmm. Sweet way to go out. I just might have that for my own funeral. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and the movie because it's a biopic. They have cameos from like most everybody we've seen over the course of the movie. I understand. Apparently, the only person from Taxi who went to his funeral was Carol Kane in real life. Mm. So, yeah, okay. I don't know if that's because. The taxi people didn't like him too much, or if they just had hmm. conflicts or, or whatever. I don't know what the story is there. I he did apparently piss off the people from Taxi occasionally because I could see like, that <laughs> there there was one time where Tony Danza like kind of picked a fight with him at some after party thing, and he's like, "You don't, you don't, you think you're better than us, Kaufman?" And and Kaufman was like, "No, no," and but it kind of pissed him off that uh he wasn't there every day like they were i i can i can understand that because like yeah kaufman is like you know because he was like super hot at the time and people loved him and his catchphrase so he could like kind of but like kaufman really didn't care about the show and he he just wanted to do his own thing so like the network was probably a little way more lenient with him than he was than they were with the other cast members which i mean that would cause resentment i so i had to get it yeah, yeah, I totally yeah, get it. yeah, and apparently after that, like, uh, he didn't mix with the rest of the cast socially that much. <laughs> yeah, so. it seems like he did. It seems like he just kind of did his own thing. He's like, yeah, I'm just here to do this, this, uh, this TV show. Like, I'm, I'm not here to make friends. I'm here, right. to, I'm here to do this, get my the, check, and bounce. The story I love though is that when they brought Carol Kane on to play his girlfriend and later wife on the show, uh, Simka. He taught her the fake language um, from from Caspiar by inviting her over to dinner and forbidding her to speak English. Oh, they they just spoke in K 
Caspian, whatever the language was called. They've just spoken that fake language for the entire night. And that was how he taught her the language. Oh, okay. All right. So that makes sense. So she had a closer relationship to Andy I think so. Else. Or at least they did for that bit. Um, okay. So. All right. Oh, also, I heard, I think I read online that um, actually Andy Kaufman's actual girlfriend, Lynn, is in that funeral scene. Like she's supposed to be. Yeah, she is. Mourners. She pops up in there. Yeah. Did you know that, like, in real life, he dated Elaine Boozler? What? Yeah, he and he and Elaine Boozler, like, lived together. The Booze? Boozy? Yep. Huh. I was not aware of that. Yep. Yep. All right, well, um, good on you. Mm-hmm. Good on you, Kaufman. Yeah, there was, like, a lot of things that they kind of left out of this film. Like, uh, there was one thing, I mean, well, we can go also go into this, too, is um, I, we also, yeah. well, I, I recently watched the... Um, Jim and Andy documentary that's on Netflix uh, called Jim and Andy. Yeah, I've, I've seen that before. I didn't rewatch that for this, but yeah, that, that, that thing is insane. <laughs> it has all this behind the scenes footage. And apparently like Jim Carrey went really method. Yeah. Playing Andy Kaufman. He was like refusing to drop character in between scenes. He had everybody addressing him as Andy and, it was very much like a Daniel Day Lewis, or even like um, what is it? I, I'd say like Heath Ledger as the Joker type of thing, where like he wouldn't drop character; he would be in that character way longer right. after the cameras were off. And it, it almost got to the point where it seemed like it almost kind of drove him mad a little bit, just because he was Andy, you know, when on and off camera. Then he was Tony Clifton on and off camera. Then they showed right. footage of him. Because this is all footage that Jim Carrey shot back in uh, 98, 99 when they were shooting it. And right. it was like Tony, he was in character as Tony talking about Andy and talking about Jim. Like you see him saying things about mm-hmm. Jim Carrey. Like, oh, Jim Carrey, he's a hack. He's just, he just needs attention and love. And like like saying like kind of really, you know, fucked up shit. Up, like, I don't know. Like it, it was, it was, but, it was weird, man. It's in, in a weird way. I, Okay, and this is, I haven't watched this thing in a couple of years because it came out in, in 2017. And apparently they, they withheld the footage at the time because I thought it made Jim Carrey look like too much of an asshole, which I, is kind of hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly, did you see the uh, Martin Freeman quote about that? No, no. What? Uh, I, you, you go ahead and I'll, I will read that right after. Oh, oh okay. Well, oh. I mean, it's, it seemed to me like <laughs> a lot of it was Jim Carrey just kind of doing his own idea of what Andy Kaufman was like and he was like oh Andy Kaufman never dropped character so therefore I'm never going to drop character but apparently in real life Andy Kaufman would drop character at, at times like uh, Jerry Lawler has said that Jim Carrey as as Andy would be like harassing him off camera and at one point like he's spitting Lawler's face and, and Lawler grabbed Carrie's neck and apparently that, that never went on with the real Andy and, and Jerry Lawler um, right. Yeah. It, it's a weird thing where somebody has this perception of who an artist was and wants yeah. to stay true to that rather than actually knowing who the like the, like he, they want to be true to maybe the mythos or the legend of Andy Kaufman without actually. Knowing right. Who right. And, and there were times in that thing where I'm watching and I'm just like, OK, you're not really like. You know, it's not like you, it's a psychotic break. You're just kind of performing your idea of what you thought Andy Kaufman would do at times. Yeah. But 
I don't know. It it seemed very calculated to me. Yeah, that that was the thing. Like, I mean, if you watch the uh, doc, I thought it was interesting. But yeah, there was a lot of that in there. A lot of like kind of Jim Carrey almost going mad <laughs> about like yeah. like who's who's Jim, who's Andy, who's Tony type of thing. Yeah, and there was yeah. one thing that they threw in there that like I didn't even know about like Andy Kaufman's daughter of uh, that uh-huh. like was like kind of was not in the doc at all because like they were talking about how um they were they were shooting the scene where andy was on snl doing the mighty mouse sketch and andy's actual father stanley uh kaufman was there and like mm-hmm. uh and uh jim greeted him as andy kaufman and had like this weird moment and, he, and they also said there was a part where um jim where andy's daughter that no one really kind of knew of, well i don't say nobody but people didn't know about was on the set right. as well and i was like oh jim had andy had a daughter i didn't know about that and yeah, yeah, yeah. Apparently, Andy Kaufman had had a child out of wedlock uh, with in high school with his teenage uh, girlfriend at the time, and they gave the kid up for adoption. And like mm-hmm. you know, the girl didn't know who her father was until like ninety two, I believe. And wow. I was like, I was like, oh, that's in- why wasn't that in the doc? That's like pretty interesting. But maybe it's a thing where like they didn't, they just didn't want to put that in there. Well, I, I guess because she, I mean, because. She- he gave her up for adoption. You know, she just didn't figure into his life that much. Cause like, you know, what do you do with that? You know, in a biopic. Yeah, that's true. She's living her own life somewhere. So. Yeah, that's, that's true, I guess. But, um, you know, but uh, still it would have been kind of interesting. Like there's like a lot of interesting yeah. stuff, like how Andy got into playing the bongo. Cause he's like, he's really into congas. And I think uh, that that happened when some of my Nigerian uh, musician came to his high school and introduced them to and he got he got really into congas like i thought like oh, that would have been interesting to see in the film too mm-hmm. and and it's interesting jim carrey when andy kaufman's congas uh or bongos which whichever they are it, when they went up for auction jim carrey bought them and it's his real uh uh conga set that's in the film so yeah i think I, and at one point jim even says hey there's even like a little bit of blood on them and it's like oh that's a little mm-hmm. bit of DNA from the maestro. I was like, yeah, oh, that's. It's, did you find that uh, Martin Freeman quote? Yes, I did. All right. So uh, what I was mentioning was, uh, so about a year ago, oh, shoot, I lost the page. Oh, look, I got it. About a year ago, Martin Freeman was on, uh, you know, Martin Freeman, as we all know, the actor from uh, Sherlock, uh, Black Panther, the uh, original UK office. He was on a mm-hmm. podcast called uh, Off Menu, uh, which was, I, I think, broadcast through uh, Entertainment Tonight Canada. And like I don't know somehow the conversation got to Jim Carrey and his work on uh, Man on the Moon and like how he was method you know staying in character off camera. And uh, Martin Freeman says, "quote For me, and I'm genuinely sure Jim Carrey is a lovely and smart person, but w- but it was the most self-aggrandizing, selfish, fucking narcissistic bollocks I have ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> the idea anything in our culture would." celebrate that or support it is deranged literally deranged i am a very lapsed catholic but if you believe in transubstantiation then you're going somewhere along the line of i became the character no you didn't you're not supposed to become the fucking character because you're supposed to be open to stuff that happens in real life because someone at some stage is going to say cut and then there and there's no point going what does cut mean because i'm napoleon shut up (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I love that. I, love, I I think 
I can't remember if this was Martin Freeman or somebody else who said it, um, but <laughs> somebody made a great point about like method actors. And it's like, you know, you never hear about somebody being a method actor as like a really nice person. It's always like, yeah. it's always that they're just doing this asshole behavior. You hear about like Jared Leto. He's like mailing used condoms and dead rats to the castle oh. suicide squad. Oh, fuck that and guy. it's just like, you just want to, you just want an excuse to be an asshole. Yeah. It's yeah. I mean, like, you know, you never hear about like, oh, well, Tom Hanks was playing Mr. Rogers. So he was, he was like perfectly lovely to everyone that he met during all those months. But yeah, Jim Carrey apparently took it to the point where even when he had to meet Ron Howard about starring in the Grinch movie, he was like in character as Andy Kaufman, which. Yeah. Now you're just being a jerk to Ron Howard. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I, in a way I sort of get it because you really want to be in the mind of the person you're, you know, you're emulating or trying to be in the movie. I get wanting to maintain your focus and all that, but there are still limits. I mean, yeah. Like a lot of people don't want to play your games. So so sometimes you'll have to drop the persona. You still have to pay like Jim Carrey's power bill, right? Yeah. You can't you know what what are you signing the checks like Andy Kaufman? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, uh, Mr. Carey. Uh, this is uh, Paul at Verizon. You you gave us a check for signed Andy Kaufman. We can't accept this. Right, yeah. Th- this man has been dead since 1983. Yeah. He does not have a valid checking account any longer. Yeah, we're closing your FIOS account, so sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's just it's just kind of nuts um yeah like it it can like i do admit it when you're doing method acting like that it can seem pretty like you're like you're some full of yourself actor self-important yeah you know, like the type yeah. of character they were making fun of in uh tropic thunder like uh, the kirk lazarus right kind of right and apparently like you know some of the other actors in the movie had problems with it like the guy playing uh, uh andy kaufman's father had a problem with it right yes and and Jerry Lawler, of course, had a problem with it because he's he's abusing Jerry Lawler, even though that apparently was not something that Andy Kaufman did for real. Um, I don't th- you don't see much of uh, Paul Giamatti in the doc, do you? Not really. I mean, you see him yeah. a little bit like when Jim is uh, is in character as Andy offset. And then right. you see him next to Paul and then Paul talks to the camera. He's like, wow, he's he's really he's not breaking characters. Really going for it. Yeah, but you see, you also seem like cracking up in the makeup trailer yeah. a bit too. So I I don't know how seriously Paul Giamatti was taking this. Yeah, it is weird. Like you never know who's in on it, who's not. Like who's. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely tell. Like there's a few scenes where, uh, like you know when he's Tony Clifton and just screaming and being a big old bore. At one point, right. like Tony Clifton rolls in with the Hell's Angels to set. Yeah. They give him a ride to set, and you could definitely tell people are like. Some people are amused by it. Some people are like, "What? What is this?" Uh, even I think, even also in the um, in the doc, it's so it's like footage of that Jim Carrey shot in '98. But then it's also modern day footage of uh, Jim Carrey being interviewed by an interviewer, and the interviewer says, right. like, "Like, why would you, you know, continue this behavior offset as Tony Clifton? Because he's a character no one likes. He's not. He's just like he's not funny. He's just like loud yeah. and crass and screamy." But like, and and then Jim defends it a little bit. It's like, yeah, well, he is funny in a way, like in a anarchistic, nihilistic type of way. There is a humor there. 
Yeah, yeah. The the story I love though is that like Jim Carrey was invited to the Playboy Mansion at this time. Oh yeah, yeah. And he shows up as Tony Clifton, but then halfway through the evening, they realize that it's not Jim Carrey as mm-hmm. Tony Clifton. He actually recruited Bob Zmuda to play Tony Clifton because Bob Zmuda would sometimes substitute for Andy Kaufman as Tony Clifton. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, so then, they re- and then Jim. So then Jim Carrey shows up as himself at the Playboy Mansion later, which, by the way, totally proves that he could drop character whenever he wanted. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and, and so then then they realize, like, oh, we have no idea who this person really is at the Playboy Mansion. We're going to have the security escort him out. And that story I love. That is hilarious. Yeah. That is, that is some epic trolling on Jim Carrey and Bob Smoot's part. Yeah, it shows, like, uh, Tony Clifton taking pictures with Hugh Hefner and some Playboy bunnies. I think at yeah. one point we see uh, Andy Dick on camera being like, "Oh, is that Jim Carrey in character? Right. He's fantastic!" And like, and I, I love that. I love that. Like Hugh Hefner and all those other people, they're like, "Oh, well, I'm really in on the joke." I mean, I, you know, we're all gonna treat him like he's Tony Clifton, but we all know it's really Jim Carrey. And it's like, no, no, you fucking don't know. Yeah, I think that's the thing. Like Andy loved to do. Like, if you're yeah. in on the joke, then he's gonna change the joke. Yeah, like he, exactly. He always and, wants and to keep doing that. I love. I love. I love that. That's that's an epic joke. Um, if if he'd done more of that sort of thing, I, I would. I could get behind it more. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and also, but it's like, you know, what what point does it serve to harass Jerry Lawler? You know, especially if that's not something that the real Andy Kaufman did. Yeah, exactly. Again, it's like somebody sort of believing the mythos and thinking yeah. that was you know the the Bible, the the gospel, and the yeah, it really wasn't. Yeah. But then, um, I don't know. But if guys watch uh, Jim and Andy, see, what you, I think it was, it was fascinating. I also well, like, yeah, that I mean, it's definitely worth seeing. It's definitely a fascinating watch. Yeah, um, yeah. I also like the part that they had where he was just like hanging out with REM, like eating lunch, mm-hmm. like on the, you know, on the set on the right. lot, and uh, like how I think like after all this was shot, we like, we should say because REM did the soundtrack for this movie and the title of the movie comes from the song that they did on uh, their 1992 album automatic for the people man mm-hmm. on the moon. Um, and that's, that's a song about Andy Kaufman and they wrote a new song for this movie, the great beyond, which is another great, great song. Right. Actually, you know, let me ask you this real quick. I, I kind of know mm-hmm. a little bit about REM. I know some of their stuff, like yeah. what album would you say somebody would start should start with if they really want to get an REM? Um, well, their big albums, I mean, their big mainstream breakthrough was probably Green, um, and then uh, um, what was what was the album after that? Shit, I wasn't expecting to be quizzed about. Oh, REM. sorry. All right, I. I mean, no, 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 no. I, I just, I'm blanking on the album title. It's the one that um, "Losing My Religion" was on. Oh, it was the one of... right after Green. Out of um, order. Hold on, I got it. Yeah. Um, uh, out of time. Out of time. Yeah. You're. Uh, uh, thank you. That just that just went out of my. Out of times. A, a good album. I mean, I I like most all their albums, uh, but yeah, Green and Out of Time, Automatic for the People. Those are those are all good samplings, and those are like REM's big mainstream heyday. Okay. Um. I mean, there, there's also they do have like a couple of greatest hits uh, compilations, so those are good. You know, I always like getting greatest hits albums as a good sampler because uh, then you can hear stuff from their early days up to 
up to their later period. And then, and then if you like that stuff and you want to get more of it, there's always at least a song or two on each album that, you know, so. Okay. Yeah. Cause I remember that's how I go about it. All right. Um, all right. Yeah. Cause I remember one day, like I was, and yeah, listeners, we'll get back to, uh, Man and Moon in a minute, but yeah, there was, there was nope. A... This is now an REM podcast. <laughs> no, because um, like there was this one like instrumental song I heard by them that I really liked uh, mm-hmm. called "White Tornado" on their album "Dead Letter Office." I was like, oh wow, I never know they did. This. Okay, yeah, a "Dead Letter Office" is like a collection of unreleased tracks and like B sides and things like that. So that that's more obscurities. Ah, okay. Um, there and uh, "Life's Rich Pageant" is one of their earlier albums. It's really good. Documents a good album that's a song that uh has got the one i love and uh end of the world as we know it which were two of their big early hits leonard bernstein right (laughs) um so yeah those are good stuff and i like their last couple albums i think are are pretty strong um uh new adventures in hi-fi new adventures of hi-fi is good that's that's a bit more mixed um I was thinking, um, hang on, I'm, Col- I'm just going to get a list. Col- up. Collapse Into Now? Collapse Into Now, that that was like their last uh, album. Um, uh, and that, that I think was really strong. I think they went out on a high note. Okay. Um, it was a... there, yeah, there are a couple Greatest Hits compilations. There's, there's In Time, The Best of R.E.M., that's 1988 to 2003. And then there's part lies, part truth, part truth, part garbage. And that goes from 82 to 2011. And uh, yeah, but they're, they're, they're a strong band. Um, okay. They're, they're one of my favorites. Like in, in high school and college, like the sun rose and set among REM. So okay. hi, Scott. Um, <laughs> all right. All right. I'll, I'll give it a listen. So yeah, so it's good, good stuff. Yeah, Collapse Into Now is is a strong album. I like Accelerate a lot too. Okay. Those, those are their last two albums. Um, so yeah. Okay. All right. I'll give it a listen. Um, there's also what was there was that um, Lincoln, uh Yeah, I, I think Dead, Dead Letter Office is also a good uh, collection of uh some some b-sides and obscurities and things like that yeah, yeah so yeah because it had like this like surf rock type of vibe too and i was like oh i kind of dig uh-huh. this like i didn't know they did oh yeah like okay that. yeah 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 that also has their cover uh that's also got some fun goofy stuff they do a real drunken cover of uh, roger waters uh king of the road and then it and they also do a thing called walter's theme mm which is okay. <laughs> just uh, a theme song they do for a local uh, diner <laughs> there. Oh, nice. Yeah, there's some fun stuff on that. Okay, cool. All right. Um, yeah. And <laughs> so those are my REM recommendations, folks. <laughs> <laughs> REM commendations. Yes. And, um... and, they, and they do a great song on the soundtrack of this uh, movie, too. There are a lot of instrumental tracks. Yeah, from, yeah. From the uh, soundtrack of this movie, and they do a nice job of it. Yeah, and of course, the, the movie ends with their, you know, Man on the Moon. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it skips to one year later where we see Tony Clifton uh, playing, singing I Will Survive to like a packed uh, crowd at the, at the uh, what you call it, at the comedy store. And of course, we all yeah. think it's Bob Zamuda, but then the camera sort of pans away and we see Bob Zamuda in the audience. And then the yeah. camera goes to uh, like a neon face of Andy. 
at the comedy store. So like it kind of yeah gives this little. So you're questioning like, well, who is who is that? And because like there were there have been rumors for years that uh, Andy Kaufman didn't really die; that he just he literally faked his own death, and that he was going to come back. And I don't think anybody's really saying that anymore because it's just been so long. Yeah, like I think I th- he gone. He gone. Yeah, if he w- if he had sincerely faked his own death and he was going to come back, he would have done it way before now. He w- he would have done it at the latest during the release of this movie. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think they made this movie just to see if he would come out and be like, "Oh, I'm here." Right, right. Uh, like this movie was bait, and we're hoping you yeah. take the bait. But it, but it's a really interesting movie. I mean, I I. I think Jim Carrey's good in it. I mean, I'm I'm a little he puts in a good performance. I'm a little mixed on his performance at times. I think at times he he does Jim Carrey it up a little, mm. you know? Yeah, I can see that. He does it is a mix of the two a little bit where he's yeah. like he does his Jim Carrey thing and then He I mean, he's like Jim Carrey is just so much more of an like a physical not extrovert, not ostentatious, but he he's a much more out there performer. Yeah. Uh Kaufman could be a lot more subtle, and subtle's not always in Jim Carrey's wheelhouse. So. <laughs> no, it is. I, we I saw the mask. I know it's yeah. It's not yeah. In there. Yeah. Um, Somebody stop me. So at times he's like kind of pushing it a little. Um, it's interesting. Like a lot of high-profile people auditioned for the role of Andy Kaufman. Uh, it came down to like Edward Norton and Jim Carrey, and oh. Milos Forman supposedly couldn't decide between the two. So he just said to the studio, you guys decide. And they went with Jim Carrey because Jim Carrey was more bankable. Interesting. uh, I mean, it would have been really interesting to see what Edward Norton could have done with the part and, and how Edward Norton could have alienated people. (laughs) You know, he would have. I, yeah. I mean, I, I like Ed Norton. I think he's a fantastic actor. I mean, ever since, uh, what primal fear, I was like, Oh, this dude's got the goods. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, I I like him in most everything I've seen him in, but he would have alienated people in a whole different way. <laughs> yeah, like he does seem to be. I mean, he's not like totally like one of those pompous, I'm full of myself actors, but he he, he you see shades of it a little bit, where it's like, all right, yeah, that, that's in the mix. I think. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's fair to say. yeah. Um, he's not at Jared Leto levels, but he's he's on no. the way. I mean, he, he has his moments, yeah. <laughs> but he's good. He's good. We will say he's that. good. Uh, apparently like, um, Kevin Spacey was also inter- uh, interested in the, in the role. Ooh boy. Um, I think, uh, uh, John Cusack, Hank Azaria, mm. they all auditioned supposedly. Uh, mm. it says Nicholas Cage refused to audition. So he was passed over. I'll do an audition. Oh. I can I can see why you would definitely want somebody to audition for this because you you want to see what they can bring to it, right? You know, yeah. Since like half the movie is like recreating uh, Andy Kaufman's bits. Yeah, exactly. You kind of have to see them do that. Yeah, yeah, so, very much so. Like it's I get that. Yeah, it's, get that. It, you definitely want to see it be done by somebody who understands like his Andy's mindset and like, yeah. can really kind of yeah. portray that on the, on the big screen. Like, I mean, as far as this movie, I thought uh, Jim's performance was really good. I thought it was strong, yeah. but yeah, like I do agree with what you said. He can be a little too Jim Carrey ish. 
And uh, yeah, but at, like at I mean, the rest of the movie, and... yeah, at time, at times, at times. But yeah. yeah, like as far as but the rest of the movie, I don't know. I thought there were it kind of needed a little bit more. Like I thought, like all the other actors, I thought they did an okay job, but nothing really like stellar. I guess like you I know. mean, I th- I think Paul Giamatti's really good in the movie. I think. Danny DeVito is really good. I mean, Danny DeVito can be a more restrained actor than he can get credit for. He's he's a good straight actor. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Um, People for, kind of forget that because I mean, he's known for the comedies and you know, Always Sunny and Taxi and whatnot, yeah, or you know, yeah. all the romancing the stones or whatever. But like, he can. I mean, I, and I think I think uh, Courtney Love's pretty good as uh, as Lynn Margulies as Andy's yeah. girlfriend. It's. You don't you don't see Courtney Love take many acting roles anymore. Yeah, like for a while there, she she it looked like you know Hollywood was ready to like make her the next uh, it girl because like you know like yeah. her first big she got an Oscar nomination for People versus Larry Flynn. Yeah, if I remember correctly? Yeah, um, people were like, oh no, she's really good, and yeah, and that's another. Yeah. I think she kind of needed more to do in this film. She doesn't really get that much to do. I thought, but yeah, yeah. I don't know why like Courtney Love kind of just I don't know if it's just because she wasn't getting the roles or people thought she was difficult or she just wanted to you know back away from uh the spotlight or whatever but yeah yeah i don't know i don't know it's uh it's a mystery it's a mystery it's a mystery corny love call in let us know what the what the deal is yeah <laughs> but um, it, it's a good movie i think it's worth seeing and i think the the jim and andy the great beyond uh, documentary is is also very interesting viewing mm. um so Darn tootin'. They work in conjunction with each other. So. Yeah. It's a it's a companion piece. Yeah, know. yeah. Um, does it make Jim Carrey look like an asshole? Um, yeah, maybe a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I will admit that. Like at the same like um yeah, th- there was a thing like tw- especially towards the end of the Jim and Andy doc where he was kind of going off on some like a little bit of a hippy dippy diatribe. Is like uh-huh. what like what is reality? What are we all doing here? Is it is reality just me and this coffee cup here, or is there more to it? Is like is this the universe we live in, or what is matter? Right. Like it got a little. I was like, all right, dude, just let's just pull it. This back. this was present day Jim Carrey, Pre- yes, new agey, yes, yeah. this was present yeah. day Jim Carrey. He gets he gets very new agey, especially towards the end. There was... He he can kind of disappear up his own hindquarters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, back in the day, Nate Ventura, he should just talk out of it. Now he goes, disappears. Yeah, right? yeah. That's. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Ace Ventura? Fantastic. Yep. Uh, yep, 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 yep. But yeah, either way, like uh, it's an enjoyable film. I, I you know, I mm-hmm. highly recommend uh, everybody check it out if you want to lo- know yeah, a little bit more yeah. about Andy Kaufman. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the episode, guys. Thanks so much for listening, as always. Uh, you know, thanks for supporting our little podcast here. And as always, you can mm-hmm. uh, follow us on Twitter at SNL Nerd Show. You can uh, hit us up on our Patreon. Go to non-productive.com and give us some money. Give us some bucks. Give us some moolah, some uh, schmeckles, some moleons, if you will. And, uh, you know, rate, review, subscribe. Please tell people. Spread the word. Why don't you? And as spread always, the word. spread the word. Yeah. The bird's the word. And as always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Darren Credible. That's D-A-R-I-N Credible. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Trumbull Comic. That's T-R-U-M-B-U-L-L and the word comic. And you can follow the show's Twitter page at SNL Nerds Show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, please give us a follow over there. Please do. 
please. Is is this is would this be a good time for me to reveal that uh, I I'm actually Jim Carrey and I've just been method acting as as John Trumbull for this entire time? What? Oh my god! Would yeah. this be a good time to reveal that I'm actually Andy Kaufman and I've been playing Darren Patterson this whole time? Wow! Plot twist. That's right. Wow! It's the long con. That is, wow, this is, well, I mean, this is a lot to absorb. It is, right? um, You thought I was dead. Is there any point in continuing this podcast? (laughs) No. I mean, should we just keep on going method? Yeah. Is is it, at this point, should I reveal that I'm not actually Andy Kaufman, but I'm actually Tony Clifton playing Andy Kaufman, playing Darren Patterson on this podcast? Layers within layers within layers. <laughs> Should I bring up at this point that I'm actually Bobby Bob Zamuda playing Tony Clifton, playing Andy? I'm Clifton. actually I'm actually Paul Giamatti playing Jim Carrey, playing John Trumbull. So I'm actually Courtney Love playing Bob Zamuda. Okay, I, <laughs> I I can't even say it. My brain hurts. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well. Come back next week, folks, and see who we are. Maybe we're <laughs> ourselves again. Maybe we're somebody else. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Who can tell? We've gotten just way too meta in method. We're through the looking method man. We're through the looking glass here, people. We are. We really are. So yeah, go go listen to some of the REM albums I recommended. That, that's good stuff. And and check out Gilligan's Island and the Harlem Globetrotters. Yes, absolutely. If you take anything away from this podcast. Watch, a Hol- watch Gilgan's Island meets the Harlem Globetrotters while listening to R.E.M. Right, right. And yeah, it's it's like Plink, uh, listening to uh, Dark Side of the Mood uh, with uh, Wizard of Oz. They sync up. It all matches up, man. Up. It all matches up. It all matches up. <sighs> so, okay, well, you know, that's your homework assignment for next week, folks. We'll be back here with another thing. But until then, nerds Nerd out! Down. This has been a non-productive media presentation. Executive producer, Frank Hablawi. This program and many others like it on the Non-Productive Network is distributed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. Please share it, but ask before trying to change it or sell it. For more information, visit non-productive.com.